Hello everyone, welcome back to the Hampshire Business Show. My name is Chris Pastrana, and today I'm here with Nick Zarecki. How's it going, Nick? Good, how are you doing, Chris? Good. Now, Nick is with the New Hampshire House of Representatives, which is pretty cool, because I've never done politics before, so this will be a fun little interview. Just to kind of, like, bridge the gap into politics just a tiny bit. Because, yeah. oddly, politics and business overlap quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, it, uh... One affects the other in a lot of ways, and sometimes yeah. people don't realize that. Yeah, which is a fun conversation to have, because... People don't can <clears throat> don't realize how often they over ta- over tax overlap, <laughs> especially when it comes to taxes. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's a good place to start. So let's get a little history on you, kind of like where did you start from politics? You know, kind of like your, your intros. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I grew up in Goffstown, as you know. Uh, for listeners that may not know, we were actually on the wrestling team together. <laughs> way over 10 years ago a long time ago (laughs) but um around 2009 2010 i always sort of had an interest in uh politics and uh you know different issues and that turned into sort of an activism and i started getting active in a lot of both political campaigns and issue campaigns Mm -hmm. and eventually uh in 2014 there's a uh well, I'd like to say something inspirational happened, but honestly, people around me just got tired of listening to me complain about it and told me <laughs> I either had to run or shut up. Yeah. So I ran because I'm not going to shut up. And uh, I happened to win um, representing Goff Sound in the uh, New Hampshire General Court House of Representatives. And I first won in 2014, and I got reelected in 2016. It's pretty good. It's awesome. Now, I get this is actually a good place to start because people kind of have a basic idea of what the federal government looks like, kind of. Right. But state government's a l- probably a little different uh, depending on how things work. So I do want to kind of go over because you mentioned the general court. <clears throat> just kind of go over the very basic levels of state level. Sure. So um, <clears throat> just like the federal government, we're broken up into the three branches: uh, legislative, executive, and judicial. Uh, in New Hampshire, the legislative branch or the New Hampshire General Court is composed of a House and Senate, um, and it's kind of interesting because our House is comprised of 400 members. We are the largest state legislative body in the nation, and we are the third largest uh, third largest legislative body in the free world, um, I think just behind Congress and the House of Commons, you know, over in uh, the UK. Yeah. And on the Senate side, we also have the small Senate in the country at only 24 members. So uh, I guess they spent all their budget on House members, so they kind of <laughs> had to scramble, do what they could with the Senate. But um, it works a lot, a lot like the federal in a bill passes the house it has to go to the senate they pass it or veto it or amend it and pass it pass back to the house eventually if the two legislative bodies agree it goes to the governor for his signature um on the executive side we have the governor obviously and he's in charge of signing or vetoing bills but we also have something called the executive council which the way I like to explain that is they're sort of the board of directors to the governor as CEO of the state of New Hampshire. Okay. So they have to sign off on a lot of the contracts. Um, 
for instance, when you when our current governor Chris Anunu was running for governor, uh, he used to be an executive counselor. There was a lot of talk about him uh, supporting a Planned Parenthood funding contract, and it wasn't a bill. It wasn't anything we got to discuss in the House. It was just contracting services, and the exec- executive council gets to you know, vote on whether they approve or don't do that. So we have a fairly weak chief executive in New Hampshire, which seems to work out pretty well. Hmm. And then the courts, it's very similar to the federal where you have the, uh, you know, the criminal, the superior, and then the Supreme Courts. We also have the family courts, which have created their own issues for possibly another discussion. (laughs) and a few other little differences, but essentially the function is very similar to the federal government. Yeah. All right, cool. I like talking about that because sometimes it gets a little crazy. Yeah. And people love talking, you know, federal uh, politics, but a lot of times your biggest changes, especially to your own life, are going to come at state level. So why people don't get involved there baffles me a little bit. Right. But I just like to talk about it. (laughs) Well, it... It's interesting because people seem to focus on the federal, uh, especially, you know, the presidency, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially now. Ev- almost everyone could tell you what President Trump has done in the last month, even though in reality what he has done is probably going to affect your life a very small amount, if at all, compared to not even your governor or your state representative, even your uh city councilor or mayor, they can make decisions that massively affect your life, uh, what you can and can't do, even how much money is in your pocket with every paycheck. Yeah. A great example is that little issue in Golf Sound with um, they were overtaxing people for a while. Right. Like, that's a great example. Like That directly affects your pocketbook way more than anything yeah. at the government level. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, uh, that whole thing where they were oopsed giving yeah. us back uh, some of the school budget for property tax relief. Yeah. Because everyone from Goffstown knows our taxes are so low, why would we even need that? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh man, it's funny. So, taxes. Tax. This is a good. This is a good break into politics here. Business and taxes kind of go hand in hand, and on actually not even on a personal level. Because I was gonna say on a personal level, you can usually get people to agree taxes less taxes are better. That's not even true now anyway anymore. Right. So, but <coughs> generally. You know, on a personal level, you can agree, yeah, the more money I have, the better. Right. Generally. Um, but on business side, it's hard to get people to admit that, hey, if you give businesses money, they can do stuff to generate more, you know, jobs, um, growth in the community, stuff like that. But there's, like, this hate for businesses, especially big, big business. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so that's always a fun place to talk <laughs> when right. it comes to taxes. Because um, this isn't, again, not national, but um, New Hampshire... As I, I mean, their taxes are pretty high, I guess, for businesses. Uh, they're they're up there. Uh, we have obviously we don't have an income or sales tax uh, per se, but we do have the business profits tax and the business enterprise tax, which is basically a tax on uh, land holdings for a business. So if it's owned for a certain amount of land you hold or a certain amount of holdings you have, you have to pay a percentage on that. And um, uh, obviously, and it kind of comes down to the parties, and I'm sure you can guess which one is which, 
one wants to cut them and thinks they'll grow business, and the other one wants to raise them and thinks by taking money from the people who make money, you magically make more money. Uh, one of those ideas has sort of been proven to work. The other one will be nice and say the jury's still out. But we did, we have managed in uh, the past two sessions, uh, after a hard fight with uh, then Governor Hassan, now Senator Hassan, unfortunately, and uh, in cooperation with Governor Sununu, we've managed to lower uh, business profits and business enterprise tax a bit with uh, some promises that if the economy keeps growing, which it has so far, we can lower them further. That's really good. I know that. Um, again, that's why I like having politicians right. on. And I'm not going to get super political, even though I probably <laughs> will, because um, I'm on the end where I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat, I'm a Libertarian, so I'm kind of right. in the middle in a weird way. But taxes are just generally, they don't help anybody. <laughs> um, and they hurt more than they don't. So seeing that they're actually going down is good. And I love that. That's, that's, right. Yes, good. Awesome. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, and I was actually going to bring up later on into the, onto my list, we were going to talk about, you know, some of the issues with, you know, partisan politics. <laughs> right. Um, and how you kind of, you lose a little bit of that flexibility. But it's good to see that the type of compromise was made where, hey, if it works, let's keep doing it. Like, that's, right. it's good. <laughs> and like that, that that's one thing. Um, there's certainly plenty of partisanship in Concord. Uh, anyone who says there isn't is lying or selling something. <laughs> but one thing we can do certainly a lot better than Washington is sort of come together and at least agree sort of, okay, well, we may disagree on what this may do, but you know what? Let's try it for two or three years. Or yeah. if the economy looks good, let's have this opportunity to do so. Yeah. And sort of compromise in that sort of way and actually move the ball forward instead of shutting down the whole damn state like yeah. some people like to do. Yeah. And I like that because when I think of politics, I, I would love to see it work more like science where right. it's easy. You know, you have a set of tests. If you do something, you change one variable and it doesn't work, just put it back and try something else. But a lot of times you can't do that. Right. <laughs> because they're like, okay, we did this. I didn't work. Okay, let's do this too. And I'm like, no, 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 stop. Yeah. Stop just screwing with everything. We'll do like seven things at a time. And I'm like, just slow down. Take, the, take a step. <laughs> the scariest thing in uh, politics is definitely the law of unintended consequences. Yeah. Any, no matter how smart you are, no matter how meticulously you research your policy, there's always going to be some effects you didn't account for. Yeah, of course. And that's uh, that's a very good libertarian argument for sort of, you know, best government is the government that governs least to kind of yeah. say, well, you know, tweaking things hasn't worked too fantastically. Maybe we should try and let things run their natural course. Yeah, and kind of pull back on a bunch of the things. Like right. When you're legislating... You know solutions to the problems you legislated <laughs> right so it's like maybe we should look at this just a little bit differently um now again a lot of libertarians kind of get a lot of crap for their viewpoints because they're like oh we should have no government which probably wouldn't work most likely wouldn't work <laughs> but you can get as close as you can and still have some pretty good results right but just saying uh, <laughs> that's just me i would yeah. love to try it there's actually that. uh my favorite story on that is and it it it's amusing in that it's illustrative of this point, but it's also kind of sad. 
if you remember last year, we had an uh, issue where that synthetic marijuana mm-hmm. was people were dying from smoking that. Yeah. So there was a bill put forward to ban that. Mm-hmm. And then some of us got together and our argument was, you know, if if we think about it, the reason this people are smoking synthetic marijuana is because of banning regular marijuana. Yeah. So maybe logically from history, you should be able to tell if we ban this, something else, possibly more dangerous, comes up to take its place. But instead of doing that, we just relax. Yeah. And that's actually what we're doing this year, uh, where we've had a decriminalization went through, and we had a not legalization exactly, but they've relaxed uh, a lot, and that's passed through the house. Uh, it's going to the Senate soon. I saw that the other day, which I think is great. Because, yeah. again, my own positions would be if they want to do it, they want to do it, it's fine. Right. And you're right. When you have when you start putting prohibitions into things, you create markets for you know those things <laughs> right. with bad consequences, like right. what we're seeing with heroin right now. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and then fentanyl and whatever else gets into the mix. Is, so it's like, so you can make the same argument with marijuana with the heroin, but it's a little harder because it's a little bit of a harder drug, so it's hard to push that. Right. But uh, <clears throat> you probably make the same the same argument at least. At least I would. <laughs> right. Well, the heroin issue, um, certainly the fentanyl and everything has made it worse. Uh, I think with that, the basic gist of what we need to do is stop throwing money into locking people up for yeah. having an addiction. I mean, that's... Mm-hmm. We can discuss the disease portion because some people get don't like that word because, in a way, trying it is a choice. Mm-hmm. But the way it rewrites your brain chemistry, it becomes less of a choice as time goes on. That's a whole philosophical debate. Yeah. But sort of the bottom line of it is you can't arrest your way out of an addiction crisis. That's just not how it works. Yeah. It's unfair to ask our police officers to be you know drug counselors when they're police officers yeah and i agree kind of on a personal side my brother was a heroin addict for a long time and uh you know you can imagine it like on the streets he's in the newspaper a few times for getting caught and he's doing phenomenally now um because of the steps we took to get him into that situation but it it all started after we got him out of the courts like we finally got him out of the court system and then we put him into this little program out in hillsborough phenomenal right. um and you know instead of like two three months of being in rehab you're there for like at least a year and it's, it's a really good program <clears throat> i don't get into the religious side of it because i'm not very religious right but it, it does help with in that situation especially for him but uh it, it worked out phenomenally and i'm like oh this is awesome and it's fun to see something that generally works pretty well and then i'm like well, maybe we should look at that a little bit. Yeah, let, <laughs> let's use the things that are working. Yeah. And for some reason, again, maybe it's just crazy talk, taking someone who's an addict and putting them in a prison, which is a high-stress situation, mm-hmm. surrounded by people who sell the thing they're addicted to. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not the best situation for someone who has an addiction. Yeah. And people who are just generally don't care right that they're creating this issue because <laughs> they just want the money right and 
know, that's that's where the free market system kind of fails. <laughs> but <laughs> it's not really the free market. But um, but yeah, it's why put them in prison for something they, you know, they chose to do it themselves. Generally speaking, they don't hurt other people. Generally, um, in some instances they could, but more often than not, you would try that separately because you hurt right. someone. You know. Right, punish the crime, not the. Yeah. I mean, the same way you know, having having a pretty daughter makes you more likely to beat up her boyfriend. You don't <laughs> make it a crime to have a pretty daughter, you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of off off business here. You know, kind of businessy. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, generally, you know, there's reasons for the government to get involved and then not, and I think people forget that. And I do get, in New Hampshire, we have a considerably older voting base. Yeah, it so is. So it can be a little hard to get kind of the new stuff in there. Because <laughs> you have kind of a lot of old ideas and a lot of old, uh, I don't know the word, habits, philosophies. Right. Uh, the average age in the state is, we're actually older than Florida on average, right. which is surprising. And... Uh, the average age in the state house, I think. I think last I heard it was around sixty-seven. But if you take out myself and like ten of the youngest people, it shoots up to like seventy-seven. Right. So yeah, I'm young. <laughs> Going in there and being younger than the average by forty years is definitely a uh, yeah. <laughs> An eye opener. I have that issue sometimes in the business world. Oh yeah, where I'll walk into a place with a bunch of businesses and be like, "I'm way younger than everyone here. And I'm, <laughs> I'm only 30." Right. And I'm like, "Oh, I'm way younger than everybody else in this room <laughs> by a lot." <laughs> so I know how you feel there. It's kind of it can get crazy. Um, which kind of leads to a point I was going to make, and all the time uh, I got into a funny argument on my Facebook page the other day. <clears throat> um, I guess you call it an argument, it's a debate. We were talking about some of the problems in New Hampshire and how to fix them, which is always a fun conversation to have politically-wise. Right. And the age demographic was one of the issues. Um, then a couple of things came up, like property taxes, income taxes, and all this stuff. Um, and it's, I always like to see people who are like, no, we need to, you know... Raise a sales tax. I'm like, God, stop! Just stop. You're, you're only going to cripple the state like horrifically. Right. Uh, but we we're talking about the age demographics, and there's not a lot of new people coming into the state. Right. Um, maybe it's weather. Maybe it's whatever. But uh, we have a problem on the low end, <laughs> getting young families into the state, and then keeping them. <laughs> right. So the people that grow up here age and then leave. Right. Um. So that's kind of one of the areas that I'm like, is that being addressed? Is that something that we people are looking into? It, it's definitely something everyone is aware of and is looking at. Um, the problem is that sort of disagreement on how you do it. Yeah. Um, if you're, you know, if you're a Democrat, they are generally of the mindset that sort of, you know, you want more services for young people. Mm-hmm. in this state uh you want better infrastructure which you do but not for you know the price tag they always want to put on it if you're uh, on the conservative side it's more about attracting jobs and businesses so you can get out of school and get that job with that decent starting salary in new hampshire yeah um act, when you look at the numbers what happens is people you know graduate high school 
maybe go to UNH or Plymouth, graduate there, say thank you very much, go to another state, and 10 or 15 or 20 years down the line when they're more established and have a family, then they're coming back to New Hampshire uh, with their young kids and the cycle is sort of repeating itself. Yeah. But we don't really have that starting starting out uh, economic structure where s most people can sort of start out in New Hampshire and grow pro progressively as well as they seem to be able to in other states. And then, of course, that adds to other problems. You know, one of the greatest things to attract or keep young people in a place is other young people in that place. <laughs> so if we're losing half our people under the age of 25 every year, then the other ones are less and less incentivized to stick around. Because, hey, if, I mean, if you're the only young guy there, what's yeah, the not, point? Not very fun. Yeah. No, even just on uh, finding a partner and moving forward yeah. in your life, you know, it becomes a lot more tricky. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> There's no one here your age. <laughs> You know, unless you like cougars and you know <laughs> older, older gents, um, <laughs> which and I, we ha I think we, we follow very similarly on a lot of these ideas, which I think is kind of cool. Um, that I saw the same thing in my industry with like the film and stuff like that. Right. Like you'll come up through UNH, which has a pretty good film program, and then once you're done, you go to New York, Boston, Georgia, or like LA. Oh yeah. Like pretty much your big choices to find anything and the industry with a lot of like film and it's like why are we just throwing over people at boston and like new york you know when we we should be fully capable of doing that here so i think even for my industry i've been looking at that on my end and once my business gets big enough i'm gonna start attacking that yeah <laughs> but you know until then you know we're, we're dealing with it but i think across the board that would be you know something to look at is well what what businesses can move in here? Right. I was super happy to see that Amazon might have moved in, but that didn't happen. Yeah, I'm like that would be great. <laughs> well, that and that's tricky because so if you conclude that to keep young people you need to attract business, which is a pretty fair conclusion, then how do we attract business? And we have a good base structure, you know, overall low tax rate. Some of our taxes are a little property taxes and good, yeah. but our tax rate overall is pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. There are two or three big things that are really keeping us away from the big business game. Uh, one is the way we have our corporate taxes set up. Those are some of the highest in the country. And especially nowadays where you can call a guy up down in Delaware and say, hey, you know, set up my LLC for me. Yeah. There's no real reason to incorporate in New Hampshire, even if you want to do business in New Hampshire. So we got to get that settled. Um, and the next thing we got to tackle is our energy costs. Mm -hmm. um, Eversource is really, I mean, they're a near monopoly in the way they run their business, and yeah. they definitely act like it. Is there anyone who's received one of those uh, disconnect notices? Yeah. No, it's asking for. I think the biggest I heard was around a $3,000 deposit to, for them to just hold on to for a year from someone who admittedly had trouble paying their electric bill. Yeah. <clears throat> we got to fix that because they seem to have a view of we can do whatever we want because 
if we don't do it, where are they going to get it? And that's how our government acts. I mean, not as much the legislature, but the uh, Public Utilities Commission, certainly. And uh, we actually just had, a, well, a lot of other companies in New Hampshire, had the small ones had a big rate decrease. They went down from like 15 cents to 9 cents. Yeah. Eversource's response to that was, oh, let's turn off Seabrook. So they just, prices are going down, so let's make less power to boost them back up. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what a monopoly does. We shouldn't yeah. be allowing that. And the third thing is our infrastructure, but not in the way uh, a lot of my colleagues are seeing it. Mm -hmm. uh, they, the basic infrastructure idea they think of are, you know, roads, bridges, highways, and some of that has to be addressed. Yeah. Uh, as anyone who's ever done the mass into Nashua, oh, yeah. you know, the freeway into a deer trail at 5 p.m. Yeah. But what we really need is the 21st century infrastructure, the Internet access. I mean, even even in our cities, Internet can be kind of spotty mm -hmm. unless you, you know, buy your own very expensive Wi-Fi. So that's something, especially north of Concord, that needs to be addressed to bring that part of the state into the global marketplace and get it competitive yeah. and get it so that, you know, someone who wants to be an entrepreneur and sell their product online doesn't immediately eliminate half of New Hampshire as a place to live. Hmm. And you're, it's good, because actually I'd written down something here as I know to talk about is even the way New Hampshire is laid out, because... Once you hit, I want to say Laconia, in that area, you have the the big uh, like the national forest thing like going on right there. Yes. And then there's like nothing above that. Right. So even the way I design my business, when I talk to people, <clears throat> I generally disregard anything north of there, <laughs> as you know, one it'd be to take over two hours to get up there, and there's not a whole lot going on. Right. <laughs> so. <clears throat> That I can see as a big issue, like you're saying. The infrastructure, yeah, roads, yeah, we'd have to look at, because you're right, those two roads, <laughs> <laughs> like the Ever Turn Bike and 93, oh, are yeah. awful when it comes to trying to pull people into New Hampshire. So the whole relook at how that's laid out would be fantastic at some point. But then half of your state, or at least, yeah, it's not half because the most population is further south, yeah. but you're losing most of it to just, you know, forest and then. Like that barrier where nothing's there. Right. There's a bunch of French people. <laughs> <laughs> and that's... <laughs> the Canadians are slowly creeping now. <laughs> no, and that... Again, that's the problem because those, those areas are hurting economically. Mm -hmm. And part of it is that you, you know, you go a little north of Laconia... Uh, and you are essentially back in the 70s or 80s technology wise yeah i mean no one i mean if you go up to lincoln you don't even get cell service which is i mean people live without cell phones yeah which is fine unless you want to you know run a business where you need to call customers or have customers call you yeah. And you want to, I don't know, sell something on Amazon or buy something on Amazon or use the Internet, which we use in our daily life. Yeah. Yeah. Because 
that point of technology is where you really see businesses grow very very quickly right <clears throat> because even way back way way back until you did business on a large scale a lot of times your businesses were just like town businesses and right no one's very wealthy which is okay until the entire town goes under right you know um but then you step back and it's like now you have access to things all over the world and that type of technology has made a lot of people considerably more wealthy and brought even poverty like those people are much better off than they had been right. because of you know where the money sits and everything so i think it's a good point <laughs> we should look at uh infrastructure a little bit maybe and i like your point you know technology is important and you know those towns can probably use some help because <laughs> oh, yeah. they're in new hampshire <laughs> and you can't just forget about them because they're yeah. you know two hours north of us <laughs> yeah you can't i mean if a ton if a you know big old state like texas can remember the people in their whole state we can remember people in north Laconia. Yeah. yeah definitely and yeah. there there's a ton of territory like you hit a highway and it's like see you next week you yeah know, next town <laughs> you know so like yeah it's definitely need some work <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so one thing we talked about was property taxes because that came up um some of the big things that came up in my conversation kind of thrown back to what i was talking about earlier was property taxes uh which i think any way we get rid of taxes is good need to figure out how to make everything work um which is actually something you talked about a couple years ago in an interview back in 2014 where sometimes it's not the money but how we use it right (laughs) like if we're taking things from places they're not supposed to come from yeah we're gonna have money issues so that's kind of a thing um but the decrease of property taxes makes property easier to get and then businesses can actually build (laughs) right and which was a point uh this gentleman was making in our inner conversation was that there's not a lot of inexpensive property for new families to move into so it kind of hurts there and i'm like well property taxes (laughs) right so it kind of all falls into this area where i see it as we need to get rid of property taxes or decrease them and figure out how to make them work he saw it as we need to raise the minimum wage. I'm like, Jesus, let's, <laughs> let's spin this a little bit. You right. know, I was talking about bring taxes down, not jacking everything else up. <laughs> well, it's interesting because um, my first term I was on the Labor Committee, uh, and we heard, I think, until six or seven minimum wage bill, and uh-huh. n- none of them were, you know, reasonable. But one thing that came up is they talk about the minimum wage in New Hampshire. Very few people actually work for minimum wage in our yeah. state. Um, mostly it's, you know, the ones you would expect, the uh, younger, you know, high school kids, you know, someone who's picking up a side job for the summer or a couple hours a week during college working retail. But mostly uh, if you're working full time, the the uh, average starting wage is actually close to nine or ten. Yeah, in New Hampshire. Yeah, which is a point I brought up um, in this little chat I was having online was that like find a place that offers seven fifty or whatever it is seven twenty five. Like offer find a place that offers that as your minimum wage. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Uh, maybe north of the mountains. Maybe I yeah. don't know. But like even if you go to uh, what was it? I went over to Regal once just because I was kind of bored. And like their starting wage was like nine nine fifty or something like that, so that's like your entry level positions. Yep. There's a lot of McDonald's and Dairy Queens that are starting at like ten or so, yeah. and it's like okay, so find a place that even offers minimum wage, 
um, and his counter argument was, well, if everyone's doing it already, why don't we just move the minimum wage? I'm like, stop it. Stop <laughs> stop legislating things that yeah. don't have to happen. Right. The market's catching up it's, and it's growing. <laughs> it's working perfectly well without us getting involved. Yeah. Let's, Let's just let it keep pump, doing that. Pump the brakes. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I will always stand for a position of less government. Right. You know, it, there's no need to govern it if it's already doing its thing. Right. You know, just leave it. <laughs> well, and that, I mean, that would just make, for instance, $10 an hour is something a lot of people bring up. And that's, right now, people who make uh, $10 an hour are making a little bit, I think, depending on how you look at it, a little bit more than a third over minimum wage, which is not great, but solid. Uh, if you raise minimum wage overnight, they're minimum wage labor. And they're going to be treated as such and maybe think of themselves as such. So either they're going to demand a raise to 13 to uh, compensate for that, mm-hmm. or when you know you can come in and get your 10 being a m- minimum wage worker, that's going to sort of lower people's drive to, you know, sort of work for that 10 versus that minimum yeah i can see that i mean i i personally think that everyone regardless of how much you get paid should work as hard as you can um because that's how you move up very quickly right but a lot of people don't act yeah. that way <laughs> <laughs> i was in the least i was in the military and like it didn't matter what you were paid you were going to work as hard as you can right <laughs> and you're not going to move up so I, I i can see where that would you know <laughs> fall off of some people um i was going to make a really good point for what it was now um I don't know, minimum wage. <laughs> but, oh, that was the point. Another big issue I see in the state is where I see people talk about money, essentially. <clears throat> and, okay, you want to talk about minimum wage, fine. Let's also talk about, on the flip side of that, <laughs> let's talk about credit, how people handle their money <laughs> and their personal finances. Because when you can make all that stuff work, you'll probably see the minimum wage not be as hard. It, it's still tough. Right. But, you know, because it's not supposed to be lived on. Like, it's not... Yeah, a, it's, a, it's a starting wage. Yeah, it's a, when you're a child, you're supposed to move into that type yeah. of position. But when you're also rolling out, like, like a $700 yeah. phone, maybe we should be really looking at where your money's going. <laughs> right. And the other thing, uh, the point I've always made, which the state isn't too bad on, although, again, property taxes and... Uh, the sort of room and meals tax, which is a de facto sales tax on tourism, which is only one of New Hampshire's biggest industries, so what do we care if they hurt that? <laughs> um, but federally, uh, in the income tax, you know, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, all these taxes they take out of every paycheck, you sort of look at, um, well, no, 725 isn't great to live on, but you know what's worse? The four or five dollars you're left with after taxes. Yeah. So maybe that's maybe an issue to look at. There's a difference. You yeah. Know? And that's a great point. And one I completely forgot to even mention later on is that yeah, you get seven fifty or seven twenty five, but then they take most of it because you're paying all this other shit that shouldn't be yeah. in there. <laughs> um, yeah, it's ridiculous, you know. Yeah. So I, I can see how living on minimum wage wouldn't work. Once you throw in all the taxes, because it barely works without the taxes. Right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I get that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a much better argument when you put it that way. <laughs> um, but another thing I was going to talk about business side. Um, 
I, I talked about this a lot in the last couple of podcasts I've had, which you probably haven't listened to, but uh, we talked about New Hampshire business is kind of old school. So the way they do things is kind of outdated most of the time. Um, and I laugh because when it comes to like video production, like video uh, marketing, something like that, way behind the times. Oh, yeah. I, I laugh at people for doing this. It's like, oh, we don't need that. We'll just do word of mouth. I'm like, stop it. <laughs> word of mouth is great if people know who you are. Right. You know, if no one knows you, no one's talking about you. Um, and that one dude you worked with isn't going to spread you around to enough people to make a difference. Right. And I think that also probably hurts the uh, minimum wage argument a little yeah. bit because businesses aren't moving as fast as they should to advance as fast as they should just kind of for my point <laughs> right and that uh actually the government's the same way i before that i know shocker <laughs> but before I, uh before i started at my uh current position uh where i work to actually earn a living and fund my you know legislative habit yeah i uh i owned a uh computer repair and it consulting business over in Portsmouth and I came time to renew the business license so I thinking nothing of it I just called them up and I'm like okay so I'm not finding this form on the website and they said no yeah you got to come into Concord and take care of that I'm like wait I mean for me it's no big deal I'm in Concord every yeah. other week so it's fine uh, but for any other businessman it's like, wait, so I need to take an hour out of my day, come to Concord, stand in line for 45 minutes, get the form from you, fill out the physical form, go back to you, have you tell me the form is wrong, go back, fill out the form <laughs> right, go back to you, you stamp the form, I get in my car, drive an hour back, so I've lost half a day of work because you can't put the damn form on a website. Yeah, which they finally done, I, wonder, I, th I believe so. Because you can you can incorporate online now. You can incorporate. Um, I think <laughs> renewal might be. They uh, might have changed it recently. Maybe. It's been. I don't know. I have to double check because yeah. I'm going through the process now because I just hit like a year of doing this. Um, but I'll I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep me posted. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, technology is huge, and as yeah. we've talked about it, like it kind of it helps push everyone to that next level. Um, just the amount of information we have accessible to us. Which okay, so <laughs> get a little off tangent now. <clears throat> it baffles me when people just have like crazy ideas and they okay, I'm gonna get into college. Sorry, I'll, 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 that's okay. Education. <clears throat> this is where it's going. I'm going to education. <laughs> Says we have some good schools in the state, but people tend to think that to become smart you have to go to college. Right. Drives me freaking crazy. <laughs> so because I hate that. Um, I don't know why I'm even getting into this conversation. It's not business related, but uh, so I guess we can start there. How are the colleges in the state? Uh, well, they are. <laughs> that's kind of a loaded question, but the school, this, our colleges are in the university system of New Hampshire are as quality as any other state in the union. But the trick of it is, uh, the fight is always. Certain people just want to dump money into the colleges. And money for education is a good thing. Generally, I'm in favor of a well-funded education. But again, the idea is how are we spending that money? Um, and one thing you consistently see is the community college system 
performed so much, such great work with the relatively shoestring budget we give them. But they always seem to get sort of kicked to the curb in favor of the university system, which is UNH, Keene, Plymouth. And uh, there's always an argument for them because unlike a lot of groups, come budget time, the university system doesn't give us an itemized proposal. They'll come up to us and say, okay, here, we want a 12% increase in funding. And we go, well, what? what do you want it for? And they go, oh, you know, things and stuff. So there was there was actually a bill I co-sponsored uh, that unfortunately I don't, if I remember right, didn't make it, uh, that would require them to submit an itemized list, which I think, you know, is practical because I'm not against, you know, properly funding this system. But at the same time, I don't think, you know, we need to give uh, interpretive dance or women's studies or any of these any of these things that aren't going to get our people into the workforce with good stable jobs I think we need to be reasonable about how we're funding it and I think we need to and this is more of a cultural thing than a legislative thing is change our culture where you aren't sort of default told as a high school kid that you have to go to college or it's not going to work out. You automatically have to. Uh, it was the right path for me. There are plenty of people who, uh, you know, are doing much better than I am, making more money than I am, who went into trades or went into the military and took that, you know, some time and either made a career of it or got out and decided what they wanted to do. There are a lot of avenues to success, a lot of avenues to a good uh, life after school and uh, I think it's a little unfair that we're pushing college with its massive debts onto the young people in this state especially when that massive debt sort of requires that starting salary that needs to be that much higher which New Hampshire can't provide so it then drives them out of the state yeah I agree. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I kind of switched subjects because I was getting, like, I can get going. Like, I can, <laughs> we, we talk politics, I can get going. But so I'm going to rein in a little bit when I give you a chance to speak. So, <laughs> but colleges don't have a monopoly in education. They right. like to think they do. I tell you they do. Um, you probably can't see, but I'll change my camera but behind you. I have, like, a bookshelf full of, it's half full of my books right now. I have hundreds more at my house those are just the ones i brought for here so <laughs> um i read upwards of about a book a week or more yes. and so i'm constantly learning I, I always tell people this during interviews but i had someone back at school i'm not gonna say who uh straight out called me average one day pretty much called me dumb and from that point forward i was like yeah I just like tweaked my brain i'm constantly learning things yeah <laughs> which is really weird um i don't like being called stupid <laughs> right. so i learned everything but it's not school related it's right. not like I'm gonna yeah. sit in a classroom and learn I write a freaking paper you don't yeah you don't need a piece of paper to be intelligent or be capable yeah you know read a book on go read a book on accounting if you can't do that read a book on how to start a business run a business learn to better yourself you know there's a thousand different things you can do to become smarter and move into a field that isn't like being a doctor or a lawyer or somewhere that you would probably more need a degree because it's more specialized. 
And because a lot of things are just useless. Like, why are we getting degrees in some of these things when, you know, there's no need? Like, if you're going to run a business that isn't like, again, being a doctor, a lawyer, a chiropractor or something, like, go do something. Go, right. go do it. Go learn, you know, in the field. You'll learn way more. Because um, I go to a school right now. You know, everyone knows where, but I'm not going to bother saying it. Just call, call them out. But, you know, <laughs> I'm a marketing major, and I, I floor my professors every time I'm in a damn class. Like, um, I have some of my professors as clients. <laughs> <laughs> I don't talk about that much, but, you know, these are marketing people who are teaching you how to market who don't know how to run their businesses, so they come to me, and right. I'm one of their students. So I kind of chuckle. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why are we paying for all of this yeah. when... <laughs> I hope they give you just give you an A by default. Like yeah, no, no. I, I, uh, I, I make it a habit. Like I will not do business with you while I'm a student like, in your class. Yeah. But afterwards we can talk, and it happens. Like it happens. <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, I, I sell very specialized products for that are very good at what they do, and people just get away from that type of stuff because they're like, oh, look at marketing and yeah, and SWOT analysis and all this stupid like. 50 year old things <laughs> right. but they're like uh, whatever but uh that's one of the big i think i see that as a problem across the board because we're driving kids into school systems that aren't necessary um and i, I spoke with i was a was it a business consultant i think it was a big business consultant last week and same thing she even mentioned we have a workforce problem now where you're starting to get a lot of old people getting ready to leave, and there's no young people to move up. Right. So we have a huge problem in the trades <laughs> because we're going to have a serious lack of like carpenters and plumbers and because right. there's no one there because they've we've 20 years of pushing them into college, and then no one wants to have to do a trade job. <laughs> so it's kind of things I think of when I'm like, how do I fix the state? <laughs> right. And it's. Like I said, that's unfortunately that's something that isn't really legislative. It's cultural. Like yeah. the like the bottom line on the opioid epidemic is another thing. Uh, a lot of people want to look at why, which is an important question, but the why of it, and they try to find a legislative answer. There's no legislative answer to either of those. It's a cultural answer, and the culture needs to stop treating people who go into the trades like they're lesser than people who go to college the same way the culture needs to answer the question of what is it that's wrong in our culture that are driving so many people to engage in such self-destructive behavior with yeah. the opioid ec- epidemic yeah which is yeah it's a good point because it's a good question of you know these a lot of these people know what's going around on the street so why are we jamming ourselves with something that'll probably kill you? Right. Or most likely will kill you if I've seen the numbers <laughs> correctly. Yeah. Like, it's insane. Like, I'm not going to do that. Like, it's almost like playing Russian roulette. Yeah. Similar odds. <laughs> and it's like, why are we doing that when you know? But, again, I'm not in that situation. I never started. But, but God, <laughs> I can only imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of what I had. Uh I think that's pretty good. We're running almost an hour. <laughs> oh, good. pretty good, yeah. Uh, so any, how, how do people get a hold of you if they have any questions, or how do they get a hold of their representatives? You know, we can go down that road. Okay. Uh, well, uh, the uh, New Hampshire General Court website has a Find My Representative feature, and it'll actually 
take you to your rep's page and give you their address, phone number, and email address. Um, I can say for any of my Gothstown constituents or anyone who wants to get in touch with me, you can either email me at Nick Zaricki, Z-A-R-I-C-K-I, always got to spell it, <laughs> at gmail.com, or my, uh, my personal cell phone is 802-727-0413. I can't promise I'll pick up while I'm working during the day, but if you leave a message, I'll do my best to get back to you. Pretty good. Is, is Gosson still one of the largest city, uh, towns in the state? It, it's one of the largest towns. It's actually larger than one or two of the cities. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought it was funny. I was looking at the other day, and I'm like, out of like all 250, it's like number 10. Yeah. I was like, jeez. That's yeah. pretty good. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a small place, too. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you don't realize how small some of these towns are when you're growing up in Gosson. Then yeah. you realize it gets way smaller. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's impressive. I didn't I didn't realize yeah. how big Austin was until I saw that, and I was like, Phew. yeah, oh jeez, because <laughs> I was prepping prepping for this interview. <laughs> cool. Uh, that's pretty much. Oh, I did have one last question. This is a fun one. Sure. Um, come national election time, there's always a big like hoopla about New Hampshire. Why is that? <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> Uh, the first thing is we have the first in the nation primary, obviously, and the uh, even the Iowa caucus, the whole joke is uh, Iowa picks corn, New Hampshire picks presidents. Uh, so in terms of the competitive primaries, New Hampshire is really the state that's going to sort of weed it down to the two or three contenders for the party nomination. Um, in the general election... Uh, first of all, New Hampshire is a swing state overall. Uh, it's gone Democrat in the past few presidential elections, but we swing back and forth enough with the people we send to Washington and to Concord. It's always close enough to be interesting. And because it's such a small state that the candidates spend so much time in early on, New Hampshire voters, kind of more than any other state, have a very personal, very in-depth view of the candidate as a person as well as their policy positions. Yeah, I mean, I have, I may have thrown them out. Uh, I still have Christmas cards from 2016 from everyone who ran. Uh, if, you, if you're even remotely interested, you can normally meet everyone running for president uh, that winter. It's not oh. hard to do yeah. in New Hampshire. And that's just... Without disparaging anyone in any other state, I think the the voters in New Hampshire take sort of that honor and burden of being the first in the nation and the people who get to know these candidates up close and ask the in-depth questions. I think we've done it long enough. We take it very seriously and we know how to do it. So New Hampshire's opinion and what happens in New Hampshire and how New Hampshire views the candidates is fairly well respected in the country all right cool i've always been curious about that because <laughs> once i started getting into politics i'm like why does everyone care so much about this one state right and that's why <laughs> so cool i've always been curious i just figured i'd ask someone who actually might know right. <laughs> instead of just imagining it <laughs> cool so thank you so much for being on the show with me today nick thanks for awesome. having me chris and uh until next time everyone be awesome <laughs>